I'm happy to extend Christian greetings, greet you in the worthy name of Christ, and it is good to see each one here gathered together. What a song, what a commitment, what a prayer of commitment we just sang. And in our lesson today, we were talking about, in the Sunday school lesson, we were talking about moving on or going on to Christ. And um, if we can sing that song with all sincerity, we have moved from the milk into the meat, and we're committing our lives to Christ. Take my life and let it be consecrated, Lord, to thee. For the message this morning, I'd like to look at John chapter 6. I invite you to turn your Bibles there. I would like to, first of all, thank you for your prayers and words of encouragement during the past week as we look forward to the message today. It means a lot to me. Thanks for praying. The message today will be taken from Gospel of John, chapter 6. We won't be reading all of the chapter. The title of the message is Living Bread from Heaven. And we want to focus more on the second half of the chapter. But the beginning of the chapter, Jesus was feeding the 5,000. He performed a miracle there and fed the 5,000. And there was plenty, and they gathered up the fragments, and, and nothing was lost, and all were filled. And there was, there was leftover bread and food. And then Jesus walked on the sea, and the disciples had headed toward Capernaum, and, and a storm came up, and Jesus had went, into a mountain, went to a mountain to pray after performing the miracle of feeding the 5,000. And then he, um, when the storm came up, the disciples were afraid, and he drew near, walking on the water. And he said, it is I, do not be afraid. And then they received him into the boat, and then they soon landed on the other side where they were going, which was to Capernaum. And then in verse 22 and following, we have the account of Jesus being the living bread, living bread from heaven. Um, I am the bread of life is what we want to talk about today. And so let's read verses 22 to 40 of John chapter 6. On the following day, when the people were standing, who were standing on the other side of the sea saw that there was no other boat there except that one which his disciples had entered, and that Jesus had not entered the boat with his disciples, but his disciples had gone away alone. However, other boats came from Tiberias, near the place where they ate bread after the Lord had given thanks. When the people therefore saw that Jesus was not there, nor his disciples, they also got into boats and came to Capernaum seeking Jesus. And when they found him on the other side of the sea, they said to him, Rabbi, when did you come here? Jesus answered them and said, Most assuredly, I say to you, you seek me not because you saw these signs, but because you ate of the loaves and were filled. Do not labor for food which perishes, but for the food which endures to everlasting life 
which the Son of Man will give you, because God the Father has set his seal on him. Then they said to him, What shall we do that we, we may work the works of God? Jesus answered and said to them, This is the work of God that you believe in him whom he sent. Therefore they said to him, What sign will you perform then that we may see it and believe you? What work will you do? Our fathers ate the manna in the desert, as it is written, He gave them bread from heaven to eat. Then Jesus said to them, Most assuredly, I say to you, Moses did not give you the bread from heaven, but my Father gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Then they said to him, Lord, give us this bread always. And Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me shall never hunger. He who believes in me shall never thirst. But I said to you, and you have seen me, and yet do not believe. All that the Father gives me will come to me, and the one who comes to me I will by no means cast out. For I have come down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. This is the will of the Father who sent me, that of all he has given me I should lose nothing but should raise it up at the last day. And this is the will of him who sent me, that everyone who sees the Son and believes in him may have everlasting life, and I will raise him up at the last day. So Jesus here is talking to the group that came across. We don't know how many it was. They came in boats, and they... Um, were following him, and he right away challenged them in saying that you are coming to see me not because you want spiritual food, but you are coming because you, you saw the signs. And, uh, and he challenged them in that. And he challenged them to labor not for food which perishes, but food which endures to everlasting life. And in verse 27, he says, which the Son of Man will give you because God the Father has set his seal on him. And here he is talking about himself, the Son of Man, and that God the Father has set his seal or God has set his approval on him. Um, so we see here the Son of Man and the Son of Man with God's approval. And he talks about uh, the Son of Man here and God being his Father, and so he is also the Son of God. So Jesus here is saying that with authority, um, I will give you these, this spiritual food, this food that endures to eternal life. We see here the Son of Man and the Son of God, and we see his humanity as the Son of Man and his deity as the Son of God. And it's with his deity as the Son of God that he had this authority and this power to offer them uh, the everlasting life. 
Verse 28 and 29, they were, they were looking for um, to do the work of God. They were, they were laboring for food that perisheth. But, uh, but he says that the work of God is that you believe in him whom he sent. The work of God is to believe, and eternal life is a gift. It is not to be earned through good works, but the work of God is to believe and to believe in him whom he sent. Again, going back to the Son of God, being sent by God. I saw a quote this week on the back of the Calvary Messenger, and it said, Unbelief is the door to hell. And Jesus is stressing the importance that they believe, that they believe on God. The work of God for us today is to believe. We have Jesus' words in our, in our scriptures, and what is there in the way that would cause us not to believe? Are there things in our experience that would cause us to diminish the things of Christ and to start to question are, the, are these things really what God meant for us? So let's be careful that we fully believe. We believe on Jesus. We sang about the anchor of our soul and, and the anchor in our Sunday school lesson today. Uh, we have an anchor that keeps the soul. Let's keep our faith and our trust in him. Verses 31 and 32, the, uh, the crowd there, the Jews were saying, our fathers ate manna in the desert. And um, he said that Moses gave them that bread to eat, from heaven to eat. And Jesus challenged them on that. Uh, that the manna was really from God. And if you go back to the verses where, where this is in the Old Testament, it, it says that the manna was from, from heaven, that God sent it, but that Moses was there, but the manna was from God. And so Jesus used that um, opportunity to tell them that my Father gives you the true bread, true bread from heaven. So what is the true bread from heaven? Well, the true bread from heaven is life through the Son of God. Life through the Son of God is true bread from heaven. Verse 33 says, For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Again, here we see that Jesus came down, came down from heaven, and this would again underline the fact that he was of divine origin. He was from the Father. The true bread of God for the world. Then in verse 34, they said with their understanding, they said, Lord, give us this bread always. You know, the woman of Samaria, 
when, when Jesus offered her living water, she had a similar response. And she said, Lord, I'll, I'll take it because that way I would no longer thirst and I would no longer need to come and, and draw water again. And so with their understanding, they responded the way they did, kind of in a material way, wanting to receive this material blessing. But Jesus was teaching them that, that uh, things that they did not understand, and that was that he was the living bread from heaven. Jesus said in verse 35 and following, and I would just, this stood out to me as being the great invitation. Um, the great invitation to come to Christ. He says, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me shall never hunger, and he who believes in me shall never thirst. Starting with the first two words of, his, of Jesus there, he says, I am. I am the bread of life. Jesus is showing his authority as being one with the Father. Let's go back to Exodus chapter 3 and read verses 13 to 15. Exodus 3, 13 to 15. Then Moses said to God, Indeed, when I come to the children of Israel and say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they say to me, What is his name? What shall I say then? And God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, Thus shall you say to the children of Israel, I am, I am has sent me to you. Moreover, God said to Moses, Thus you shall say to the children of Israel, The Lord God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, has sent me to you. This is my name forever, and this is my memorial to all generations. So here, Moses was talking with God. God was talking with Moses, and God said, I am who I am, and I am has sent me to you. So Jesus here is, with his power and authority, he begins this invitation. I am the bread of life. And he is teaching, telling them that, that I am from God, I am sent from God. And it is showing his eternal existence and his oneness with God. Being one with God, being part of the, God, part of the Godhead, one of the Godhead. Later in the chapter, later in the book of John, chapter 10, verse 30, you don't need to turn there, but it's when Jesus is talking about being the good shepherd. He said, I and my father are one. So Jesus is saying that I and my Father are one. Again, his oneness with the Father. And so he begins this invitation with the authority to, that he is the living bread from heaven. I am the bread of life. 
is the first of seven I am sayings in the Gospel of John. I'll give you the others, and I would encourage you to read them uh, in your private time. The others are, I am the light of the world, I am the door, I am the good shepherd, I am the resurrection of life, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and I am the vine. They all begin with I am, seven of them giving here, given here in the Gospel of John. It's impressed me that they share the common theme that Jesus is the only way to God. And as you read those accounts, you will find that. He is the only way to God. He is the mediator between God and man. He is our mediator. Jesus said, I am the bread of life. We like to think about the bread of life. We use bread, we use food for our natural body. And Jesus is the true bread of God. He is the source of spiritual food that nourishes and satisfies our soul. Are we taking it in? Are we taking in the true bread of God? We must come to him and believe on him to receive it. He said, he who comes to me shall never hunger, and he who believes in me shall never thirst. Now we know that physically we hunger and we thirst. We, most of us eat three meals a day and, and, and drink water, drink something in between. That's the natural man. But the food of, the soul food that Jesus offers satisfies. Now that doesn't mean that we eat one meal and quit. It means that we, as we read his word, it brings satisfaction and connection with the Father and, and relationship with the Father. And we grow and maybe we read the same passage later on and we get a new truth from it. But his word is truth and his word is food for our spiritual well-being. But we must come to him and believe on him to receive it. It is important that we truly believe him. Verses 37 to 40 talk about, Jesus is talking that he came to do his Father's will. And he mentions that several times, that this is the will of the Father who sent me, this is the will of him that sent me there in verse 40. He said, I came to do my Father's will. We know it wasn't easy. We know that he prayed in the garden Lord, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. But he came to do the will, and he told the will of the Father, and he, he told the people that. I'd like to go over to Hebrews chapter 10 and look at verses 4 to 10. This is brought out here about Christ doing his Father's will. Hebrews 10, verses 4 to 10, for it is... 
Now we know in the book of Hebrews it talks about the Old Testament sacrifices and that they were sacrifices for sin and it was a reminder of their sins every year. Then verse 4 says, For it is not possible that the blood of bulls and goats could take away sin. Therefore, speaking of Christ, when he came into the world, he said, Sacrifice and offering you did not desire, but a body you have prepared for me. In burnt offerings and sacrifices for sin, you had no pleasure. Then I said, Behold, I have come. In the volume of the book, it is written of me to do your will, O God. Previously saying, Sacrifice and offering, burnt offerings and offerings for sin, you did not desire, nor had pleasure in them, which are offered according to the law. Then he said, Behold, I have come to do your will, O God. He takes away the first, that he may establish the second. By that will we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. So by Christ's coming, he takes away the first. He takes away the, the law, the need for these animal sacrifices that not only they covered sin, but the next time they went, it was a reminder again of their sin. And he took away the old to establish the new. Not that we expect to sin again, even though we do fail from time to time. But by that will, we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. And so the cleansing also brings a sanctification aspect, that we are clean and that we remain clean, that we desire to remain clean before God. So Christ's death fulfills God's will. And he said, I came to do my Father's will. It was difficult as he faced the cross. But he said, not as I will, but as you will. <clears throat> now as we look at verse 40, speaking of Christ facing the cross, I believe here he's in this, in this uh, part where he says that everyone who sees the Son and believes in him may have everlasting life. He is talking about seeing the sun. And if you go back, let's go back to chapter 3, just a couple pages back, and let's look at verses 14 to 17, talking about seeing and believing. Chapter 3 of John, Gospel John, verse 14, and as and as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Here Jesus is telling the crowd, those listening, that as Moses lifted up the serpent, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up. And as you recall the account of the serpent in the wilderness, there was, uh, the Israelites were being bitten by, by snakes, poisonous snakes, and, and if they would look at the serpent that, that Moses lifted up, 
that they would be healed, that they would, they would be healed from that. And Christ is saying that if you've seen the Son, if you see the Son and you believe that you will have deliverance as well and have everlasting life. So have you seen the Son of God and are you looking to him today? I, don't, I believe that seeing the Son of God is not a one-time experience. But it's, we see the Son of God and we come to him when he calls us. He, the Father will draw us to him. And we come to him in, in repentance and confession and accept him as our Lord and Savior. And then as we live our lives, we see the Son. The writer of Hebrews says, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. That is something that we do regularly. We look to Jesus. The writer of the hymn, I saw one hanging on a tree, I think grasped this concept very well. And I would like to read two of the verses from this hymn. There is one word in this hymn that I went back to the dictionary and looked up. It talks about, it uses the word languid. He fixed his languid eyes on me. And I thought it would help if we had the definition of that word. It, it means drooping as if from exhaustion or weak. So keep that in mind as I read this, I read this song. Now this song was written uh, probably sometime around the 1800s, so a couple hundred years ago. So maybe that helps us understand the words a little bit. But remember as we read this song, the, the picture that it gives us of Christ and looking to him and seeing him through the eyes of faith. And I trust that we can identify. I saw one hanging on a tree in agony and blood. He fixed his languid eyes on me as near his cross I stood. Oh, can it be upon a tree the Savior died for me? My soul is thrilled, my heart is filled, to think he died for me. A second look he gave, which said, I freely all forgive. This blood is for thy ransom shed, I die that thou mayest live. Oh, can it be upon a tree, the Savior died for me. My soul is thrilled, my heart is filled, to think he died for me. Amen and hallelujah. <clears throat> let's look to Jesus he is the author and finisher of our faith and let's see him as we see him through the eyes of faith as we live for him moving on then I'd like to touch on a couple other aspects of Christ's Death in verses, I'd like to read verses 48 to 54. Chapter 6. I am the bread of life. Your fathers ate the manna in the wilderness and are dead. This is the bread which came down from heaven, that one may eat of it and not die. I am the living bread 
which came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread that I shall give is my flesh, which I shall give for the life of the world. The Jews therefore quarreled among themselves, saying, How can this man give us his flesh to eat? Then Jesus said to them, Most assuredly I say to you, Unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up at the last day. Here we have Jesus contrasting the manna and the living bread. And then he says, the bread that I shall give is my flesh. And in my Bible, the M on the word my is capitalized. My flesh, which I shall give for the life of the world. Here he is predicting his death. He's teaching about his death on the cross. Isaiah 53, 5, but he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and by his stripes we are healed. His death on the cross brings healing, spiritual healing, to us today. If we come to him and, and apply him to our lives. Then in verses 53 to 54, Jesus is teaching concerning the Lord's Supper. And I would like to look over in chapter 26 of Matthew. We often go over this at the time of communion. But I'd like to impress upon us this morning that Jesus is instituting the Lord's Supper and the importance of being prepared for that time as we consider Jesus being holy, the son of a holy God who gave his life for the world, who gave his life for you and I. Matthew 26, 26 to 28. <clears throat> As they were eating, Jesus took bread, blessed and broke it, and gave it to the disciples and said, Take, eat, this is my body. Then he took the cup and gave thanks. And gave it to them, saying, Drink from it, all of you, for this is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for many for the remission of sins. So Jesus taught, instituted the Lord's Supper, that after he, after he had risen, he, there in Matthew 26 we have that account. And so here we have the importance of being prepared for communion and being right with God. And I'm thankful that we do have our council meeting and our time of uh, looking inwardly and making sure that, that we are ready to commune with the Lord, taking part, being a part of his broken body and his spilt blood and how that has applied to our lives and has sanctified us. I'd like to look at just a few scriptures yet relating to our faith in Christ and how we ought to live. Uh, let's turn to Galatians chapter 4. Galatians chapter 4, verses 4 to 5. These verses underline 
uh, God's plan for us today. Galatians chapter 4, verse 4, But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his Son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, that we might receive the adoption as sons. When the fullness of time had, came, had come, it was in God's perfect timing that he sent his son. It, you know, a, a, he had set a time. He had set a time in history. There was 400 years of darkness, and then Christ came. When the fullness of time had come, God sent his son to redeem us, to be the sacrifice for us. Titus chapter 2, verses 11 and 4, talk about how we should live as being redeemed. <clears throat> Titus, Philemon, Hebrews. So it's just a little before Hebrews. Titus 2, 11 to 4. For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lusts, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in, this present, in the present age, looking for the blessed hope and glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from every lawless deed and purify for himself his own special people, zealous for good works. Here we see that the grace of God has appeared to some men, no, to all men. The grace of God that brings salvation hath appeared to all men. And telling us how we should live, the grace of God teaches us that we have been redeemed. We have been saved from the works and the filth. And we have been sanctified and that we should live pure and righteous before him. Looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of our God and Savior, Jesus you know, Abraham had looked forward to that promise, and Abraham uh, was faithful. And we look forward to the blessed hope and glorious appearing of our Lord and Savior. Shouldn't that keep us in him as we look forward to seeing him? Remembering that Christ gave himself for us that he might redeem us to be a special people zealous for good works. God desires that we bring him honor and glory as we have been redeemed, as we have taken, as we have taken the bread of life and we are feeding our soul with it, that Jesus is the true bread from heaven, that we bring him honor and glory. I'd like to go back to 
John chapter 6. Look at a few more verses there. <clears throat> verses 66 to 69. Now, before I read this, I would just comment that the sayings of Jesus sometimes are hard sayings. And verse 60 says that, Therefore many of his disciples, when they heard this, said, This is a hard saying. Who can understand it? And referring back to eating, and, eating the flesh of the Father, of the Son, and drinking his blood. And Jesus said that it's the Spirit that gives life. And this is Spirit food. Uh, it's through the Spirit that you, can, that you learn these truths, that you receive these truths. And... The Spirit is who gives life. And so many disciples had turned away. And then picking up in verse 66 to 69, from that time many of his disciples went back and walked with him no more. Then Jesus said to the twelve, Do you also want to go away? And here again Simon Peter was the spokesman. He said, Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. Also, we have come to believe and to know that you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Also, we have come to believe and to know that you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. A true and very profound statement. The Earlier, we talked about how that the people said, we want, we want this bread always, Lord. And so may we, with full understanding of what Christ has done for us, say, Lord, evermore give us this bread. Shall we sing? <clears throat>